Welcome to the Season 4 premiere of Sighting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Also today, we're joined by a very special guest from the Laser Time Network of podcasts. Please welcome Diana Goodman. Hello. I'm finally so happy to have people to talk to ER about ER with. None <laughs> of my co-hosts ever watched it, and it annoys me. So, brief, brief question. What... How did, like, what's your history with ER? Um, I probably started watching around season two, maybe? And then was pretty consistent most of the way to the end. I think there were some times where I'd just sort of drop off or whatever, but I was a pretty regular viewer. I mean, that NBC must-see TV lineup through the 90s and early 2000s was just awesome. And I mean, even before this, like I watched L.A. Law, which I think was in the same time slot. Like this was just that was Thursday night, 8 to 11. I'll be I'll be curious when we get to what was on that night, if you have a little bit more familiarity with some of these short lived sitcoms than we do. Just <laughs> yeah, we got two we were new watching ones. appointment viewing. Oh, oh, two new ones. Yeah. So much of the time at that half hour, that 830 or 930 slot, a lot of times was like, go make a snack. Come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, you can tell it's where they they're, tried they're trying so things. much. Yeah. All right. Well, today we're going to be discussing season four, episode one, which is titled Ambush. The episode aired on September 25th, 1997. Lauren, what was going on over that summer break 24 years ago? Yeah, gang, bear with me. We've got an entire summer to catch up on, and I'm going to try and do it as quick as possible so we can get to this beast of an episode. Um, First off, we have on May 19th, actors Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker get married. They are still together to this day and have three children. As a huge Matthew Broderick fan, I was glad we put this in. Um, On June 26th, the first book in the Harry Potter series, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, debuts in the UK. We we say fuck J.K. Rowling here. She (laughs) made great books, but, you know, unfortunately, things have since devolved hashtag trans rights hashtag trans rights yeah hey love you can love the creator or you can love the creation and hate the creator yeah we're learning that more and more these days um july 1st the nevada athletic commission suspends mike tyson indefinitely and fines him three million dollars for biting evander holyfield's ears in a recent boxing title fight american acting legend jimmy stewart passes away on july 2nd due to pulmonary embolism and Diana, we thought you might have something to say if, if you're oh, a big Jimmy Stewart fan or not. We I figured am. this might be yeah up your alley. Oh, it hurt. It, it was hurt. A rough one. Yeah, I mean, speaking of someone you know, love the creation, hate the crater. Like he was super far right wing. I didn't agree mm-hmm. with him on anything, and yet, like the man was an icon. And yeah, it was sad. Understandable, but you know, he he made it. He had a very very good run. Yeah, whenever we lose living legends like that, though, it's always just a little jarring. Um, The first ever rover to land on Mars, Pathfinder, touches down on the Martian surface on July 4th. Oh, that was so cool. And it would save Matt Damon uh, several years later. (laughs) It sure would. I love that movie too much. (laughs) On August 13th, cable viewers are introduced to a quiet Colorado town full of foul-mouthed children as South Park makes its debut on Comedy Central. I can't believe we're already to the debut of um, South Park. I can't believe it's still on. Yeah. That too. That's out, South Park outlived ER by a decade at least. That's insane. Nuts. Um, Diana, Princess of Wales, is killed in a car crash in a Paris tunnel on August 31st. 
September 16th saw the news that Steve Jobs was named interim CEO of tech company Apple. The position wouldn't become permanent until 2000. Oh, here's a big list for you. This is all of our number one movies over the summer break, which included The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Hercules, Men in Black, Con Air, Speed 2 Cruise Control, (coughs) Batman and Robin, starring our very own tired boy George Clooney, Air Force One, and G.I. Jane. Our number one movie this week, though, is In and Out, starring Kevin Klein and Joan Cusack. That's one I've been meaning to go revisit because I because lo- it was on TNT all the time when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I loved it then. But I have no idea how it holds up. <laughs> I love Kevin Klein. I was gonna I say I, lo- I love both of those people, but I, I've never I don't think I've even heard of that movie, or if I have, I've forgotten about it. Yeah, um, I think it's aged better than a lot of gay-focused comedies from the time, mm-hmm. which there weren't many. Ah. And even when there were, it was more gay panic as opposed to someone maybe realizing maybe he is gay this whole time because he loves Barbara Streisand so much, you guys. Oh, my God. Must be Uh, gay. Must be. And then number one songs of the summer of 1997 included Mbop by Hanson, I'll Be Missing You by Puff Daddy and Faith Evans featuring, is this 112 or 112? I have no idea. (laughs) I'm cultured. Oh, my God. (laughs) And Mo Money at Mo Problems by the Notorious B.I.G. featuring Puff Daddy and Maze. Honey by Mariah Carey is currently in its second week atop the music charts. If I had to do that whole cold read over again, we'd be here all night. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually like the that's actually like the first summer of like music that I feel like I'm like consciously aware of. Yeah. I remember every one of those songs. Like I remember those being popular and like I, all the other ones we've talked about like previous summers, it's like, I remember one or two of those, but these it's like, I remember them on the radio playing every single day. I'm I'm about to age myself here. Um, Yeah. Five-year-old Lauren really loved Mbop. (laughs) Uh, Oh my God. I was in college. Hanson was actually technically my first concert. I, I saw Hanson in That's... concert. I don't think it was 97. It was probably a year or two later, but I saw them in concert. Right. Uh, yeah, so what else What else was on that evening uh, on NBC? So we've got two new shows, as you might imagine, new season, new shows joining the, the crowd. We do still have some old favorites, though. At 8 p.m., Friends is still hanging in there uh, with the episode The One with the Jellyfish. At 8.30 p.m., we have a new show debuting, Union Square. Uh, does this ring any bells for you, Diana? I had to look this one up. No, this one. Yeah, this one was a completely, completely passed me by as well. Uh, Sounds like it passed most viewers by as well, uh, because it lasts a total of 13 episodes. It was a sitcom starring Mel Gorham, who was recast following the pilot episode uh, with Constance Marie Lopez, uh, best known as Mrs. Lopez from the George Lopez show, about a small-time actress who quits her job in a Miami gift shop to try to become a Broadway actress. As I said, it was canceled in January of 98 after 13 episodes. So that one didn't have much staying power, unfortunately. Uh, at 9 p.m., we had Seinfeld with the episode The Butter Shave. Uh, at 9.30, our other new show, uh, slightly more memorable, uh, Veronica's Closet airs its pilot episode, a sitcom starring Kirstie Alley as the head of her own lingerie company in New York City. It lasts three seasons and a total of 64 episodes through December of 2000. Uh, stays on Thursday evenings for the first two seasons before moving to Mondays for season three, after which it is canceled. Yep. So same creators from Friends. Okay. I believe. Oh, that makes and sense. Yeah. And it had... I, this is one was like, yeah, I remember it being on in the background. I remember it had a good supporting cast. 
had uh, mm-hmm. Wallace Langham and Kathy Najimy. I, I, it's one that I, like you said, I remember it being on in the background. I remember my parents watching it, but I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened in it. And when I when I read the title, I was like, I remember this show. And then I saw that it starred Kirstie Allen. I was like, no, I don't. I don't remember this at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so getting into this week's episode, we have 42.7 million viewers tuning in. Uh, I believe we are up about 8 million from the uh, finale from season three. So certainly has not lost well, any steam i know they hyped the heck out of this the idea of them doing a live episode just seemed yeah. completely bonkers i mean other shows have been doing live episodes like but sitcoms like rock was a sitcom that did a live mm-hmm. episode and proved so popular that they just started doing the whole show live yeah but I, I can't even nothing fathom with how this they did this profile no and then rewatching so, it i spent a lot of time still going how did they do that wait right Where's the camera so, guy? How? So what? many moving parts, and and so we'll get, obviously we'll get into this as we go along. There are two versions of this episode uh, available. Well, I say available. There's two versions of this episode that were made. Um, no one seems to be able to agree on which version is the most available. Um, the it seems like we're all in agreement that we saw the West Coast version on Hulu, um, and I think that's the mm-hmm. one I have on my dvd rips is it sounds like on the season four dvd set that came out um it's the west coast version but there was a set that was sold specifically at target stores that uh, apparently had the east coast version as a bonus feature on a bonus disc that you could watch uh for that one um and then i even read that there was a fabled like frankenstein cut that was like cut best pieces of the east coast and west coast versions cut together um and there's certain aspects of this that i'm like maybe that's what we're watching i'm not sure it's it's very muddy that nobody seems to be able to agree on which version it is um that's out there so i think it's the west coast version that we all watched but who knows so yeah uh, i i i did go down kind of a rabbit hole on youtube watching side-by-side comparisons same and seeing like wow they (laughs) they did it's the differences are so minor yeah, and a lot like, of it's just the pacing. It's like they really rehearsed. They had to rehearse the heck out of this, but they just nailed it both times. Yeah, it, it's really, really incredible. Um, there's like one or two little moments. And like I said, we'll get into them as we go along. But there's like one or two little moments that if you see that, you know, it's one version or the other. But otherwise, it's almost frame mm-hmm. for frame, exactly the same. So uh, and this week's episode is directed by Tommy Schlamy doing his third yeah. out of three episodes. <laughs> uh Previous ones of his that we have talked about include The Match Game and The Secret Sharer. This week's episode is written by Carol Flint, doing her ninth out of 15 episodes that she would write. Previous ones of hers we've talked about include Random Acts, Postmortem, and Union Station. Uh, the I Just a couple of like notes about the episode itself that don't really fit anywhere else. Uh, the idea for the live episode actually came from Anthony Edwards and George Clooney. It was their idea to do a live episode, which... Judging by how much hamming Clooney is doing in this episode, I fully believe that. <laughs> like, this is, like, I think I wrote it in my notes, like, on my end. I, like, the episode is a little bit of a Clooney shit post. Like, he is just, like, <laughs> mugging to the camera, like, half the time. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's some of my favorite Clooney stuff, but totally makes sense. It was his idea. Uh, and this episode won an, uh, an Emmy Award for technical direction. Not sure once we get to the season four wrap up, we'll have to see if that makes it into the, like, list of emmys because i know this technically technically would be a technical emmy so we'll see if that uh 
see if that tracks. And then uh, a, they actually had a team of actors available on standby, ready to improvise a scene in the event of any like technical difficulties. Uh, but fortunately, this was not necessary for either performance. They managed to get off both uh, the East Coast and West Coast version without a hitch. So, but they had a contingency plan in case something did go wrong. That's just bonkers to me. And like when we talked to Martin about like how prepared he had to be, yeah, that's for the um, scoring. That that's kind of been a consistent theme of everybody we've talked to um, from the cast and crew who who was working on the show at the time. Like they all say the same thing of like the live episode was simultaneously the most exciting thing they ever got to do. And also the most terrifying thing they ever got to do. Like they were all (laughs) scared shitless, but also very, very excited and very, it was a fun experience. Should we go into the episode proper now and really dig in season four gang? We're here. Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) So our previously on ER is brought in by Anthony Edwards and we come in with some unknown voices talking about like a bunch of camera equipment and talking over some silent opening credits. And I noted, I hear Lisa Edelstein from um, Pouse, Yay. who plays Cuddy. We will come into that a little bit later with the, you know, who's who. But I was like, I know that voice. And it sounds like they're getting ready to videotape something. And we come into, like, the actual, like, proper episode as Carol being filmed in the lounge from a stationary quarter that's getting set up. Uh, who's setting that up, Daniel? Uh, it's the cameraman, our first of many kind of, oh, hey, it's that guy's in this episode. Um, we've, uh, there's a lot of them in this one, more, more than your average episode. <laughs> uh, the cameraman is played by actor John Hawks, who um, you may Woo. recognize from movies like Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, uh, Winter's Bone, and the TV series Eastbound and Down. He may, has 136 credits to his name and is still very active. So first of many, oh, hey, it's that guy's this episode. And he was a vital part of my childhood because The Perfect Storm was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. Oh, that tracks. Just a, it's just a yeah. weird, weird movie that was on T. Again, it was on TNT all the time, and my dad always had it on. And it so involved natural disaster. Yeah. Of yep. course. Which and, is, Clooney. You know, and Clooney. And Clooney. Yeah. All of things that are Lizzie's M.O., so... Yes. Oh, I just love John Hawks from Deadwood more than anything. It's just like, mm-hmm. Wild West Jew. Yeah. <laughs> I still need to watch that. It's been on my list. Uh, but they're setting up stuff for like wide angles and high traffic areas. So obviously the the doctor's lounge is one of those. Um, and, says, and he says, by the end of the day, you'll forget it's there. And Carol, while always like looking at the camera, <laughs> spills her creamer all over the table and then does a peace sign and forgets her coffee. <laughs> Precious baby. So let's get. And we have a note about the Cubs game. We do, we do, and and there's there's some contention here, uh, both between Diana. I I I I defer to Diana on this because I know she's the queen of research. So I'm sure this is I'm sure this is right. Uh, But variously, depending on where you source it from, variously, the Cubs were on the night of September 25th. They were either in Houston or St. Louis playing one or the other team the game that's on tv they are most definitely playing houston there's no um yeah there's no red uniforms to be found on the screen and also to the score that is reported is the cubs are down eight to one so they uh the only the only score that matches that is against houston on what google says is 924 but diana you dug up some contrary information to that yeah so google has it as 924 but then i was like well that why would you run a baseball game from yesterday? Because there's kind of a long tradition of like, I'm proving our show is live by actually having something that's really going on on another channel. And 
that sent me down a weird rabbit hole. That always that goes all the way back to like 1954 or something with Marty, which is a movie with uh, Ernest Borgnine, but it was originally a live television play. And they're at a bar and they had a TV on that had an actual live game. And that's part of the thing of like, this is really happening now, 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 now. So I found a newspaper article um, and I found baseballreference.com because boy, baseball nerds are the biggest nerds <laughs> in the universe. And they, they, most of them had the Cubs Astros game as being on the 25th, which makes sense why you would, you would show a live game to yeah. underline how you're alive. But then I thought, I don't know how they do that for the West coast because I, the game probably would be over. That's what I was thinking. That's the only thing that the only reason I didn't immediately like say you're pro- you're right and get because yeah they they have to match because they they have dialogue specifically referring to the game. So I don't know, I don't know how they did it. Like I don't. It makes sense to me from an editing standpoint that they would use the one from the night before because at least that would be mm-hmm. pretty current. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, one of those little. If if only we were paying better attention in the 90s, yeah. we would have known. Yeah. It's like if I could get my hands on video of the actual game and the East Coast version and the West Coast version, right. we could pin this down forever. But <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Listeners, if you have a lot of free time, go ahead and figure it out for us. We'll gladly take <laughs> yeah. your feedback. Well, yeah. If you were happy, if you were living on the East Coast in September of 1997 and were videotaping <laughs> ER and the Cubs game, please get in touch with us. <laughs> we must know. Um, from there, we rush into the tr- the first trauma where Mark is working on a patient with Doug, and this is the first example of Clooney just hamming it up. Um, why is Mark in a tie and dress shirt? This is so weird for him. I don't think we've ever really seen Mark in a tie, aside from when he's had, like, interviews before. So that's weird. Did it, Daniel, did you notice if he had a belt on or not? Uh, you know, I didn't. I should have I should have made note of that, but uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. I would assume, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was. But you never uh, know with this man. Not a beltless motherfucker for the for the documentary. From there, um, I'm going to call her Cuddy because we don't have her actual name yet. But the documentarian asks Doug to come back to read, like, to give Mark the orders for the patient again. Because, like, we didn't get it quite framed right the first time. Let's do it again. And um, Benton shows up and he's like, oh, is this is today? Like, <laughs> eh, doesn't want to quite look at the camera. Like, just really uncomfortable. And Carter's down there, and we find out Benton has not spoken to Carter about Carter leaving the program. He's still a little salty about it. Like, they haven't they haven't quite come to terms with it yet. And I found this weird because I would have thought, since Carter was Benton's student, that there would have been some wrap-up with that at the end of last season. Like, this made me realize, you never have Carter go to Benton about wanting to leave the program. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's true. Which I... Well, which I thought, like, that would have been a key moment for the two of them to have. So this, I, I just found that a little interesting in hindsight, having watched the two episodes so close to each other. And then we find out that, oh no, one of the doctors has not given consent to be recorded. <laughs> oh god. Oh no. Trouble. Trouble. <laughs> so yeah, we go right out into that. Uh, we have Carrie trying to explain the purpose of the documentary to Dr. Delamico. Uh, we get our first name check for Dr. Cuddy here, uh, Aggie Orton. Uh, and of course, as we've mentioned already, played by Lisa Edelstein, uh, who you may recognize from House, probably from House, let's be honest, uh, but also uh, Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, among other things. Um, and then her husband, who we never actually get to see, but we hear his voice several times. He's mainly the one behind the camera, 
um, is voiced by actor John Plachette, who appeared in stuff like The Truman Show, uh, the TV series Knots Landing, and was also the director of Rocky II. And Diana, as as we're going through these, uh, if there's any further context you can provide on any of these, please feel free to jump in because I know you are the the best at that. So I want to <laughs> I, I want to know I want to know all the little nuggets. Um, and then we get right, our first. I, I'm Miss IMDb before IMDb was a thing. Yes, I'm old <laughs> enough to remember back then. <laughs> yep, I like there was one little moment uh, as the camera's panning over to see like what what's delamico's problem do we see uh genie taking some of her meds and being like don't <laughs> take the photo yeah. of it. stop get your camera off me yeah i'm so sad i missed that yes yeah, goes by really fast but it's like yeah everyone who's they even if you're like not on camera you have to be in character and it's just a very tiny little moment of like dude don't <laughs> yeah i really like the way they do that the way they acknowledge that the cameras are there but also work it into the the normal flow of the show like like i said everybody's staying in character at all times um at 4 36 we get our first indication that we are watching the west coast version because as carrie is explaining to delamico the purpose of the documentary clooney decides to lean into weaver and remark on her haircut saying nice do this was an improvisation by clooney and was only in the west coast version today i learned and I again another thing I totally missed when I was head down in notes. So I'm so glad that we have each other to share on these little things. Um, Between the four of us, Malik. we saw the entire episode. I promise. Maybe <laughs> just just maybe. Um, but then we have Malik cheesing around the cameras, and then he finds out that it's going to be on PBS, not network. He's a little bummed, but then con- <laughs> continues to ham it up anyway because he's Malik and it's what he's best at. Deezer D giving some great little sunshine performance there. <laughs> Then we go into our first audio clip of the episode, our first of many instances in this episode of people not realizing that there's a camera in the doctor's lounge. So we have uh, Doug and Dr. Delamico talking. That's not the point. It's something that Margaret Reed did. He's excited about it. You think he's up to it? Yeah, sure. Why not? It was all over the place. It makes me uptight. I know. We'll all be hiding out here by the end of the night. Doug, I don't know Mark the way you do, but he seems a little shaky right now. Oh, he's going to be fine. Yeah, I'd be shaky, too, if I had the crap beaten out of me. Mark wanted to do this. I think that's a good sign. Maybe he's back on his game. Maybe. In any case, they're here, they're shooting. There's nothing we can do about it except, you know, stick up for Mark, which is what I'm doing. Yeah. Standing by him. Buddy, Hi. you look like a star out there. Well, I'm enjoying all the attention. Don't get too used to everybody taking orders from you. Yeah, I was hoping for a sequel. Yeah, well, some of us are working still, so I got measles and four. Later. I want to point out, I didn't realize it at the time, but the audio mixing on this one is so weird. Like, it really shows how much is done in post as far as kind of leveling out all of their audio. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I I noticed that you can see Green's mic pack, but I didn't Mm. notice everyone else's. It's like, it makes sense that most of them would be mic'd up for the show anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And they wouldn't bother to hide it, but his was like really, I don't know, really obvious, really prominent. Maybe yeah. he was wearing a belt. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the... I love that we have a new reason to question the belt now. Just <laughs> four seasons in, we're still talking about his <laughs> Thank belt. Thank you. Um, the, the couple of things in here um, I like. Number one, th- we did do a little bit of carryover from season three into season four. Now, remember we talked about at the end of last uh, season, we were like, is the Doug and Anna like 
because they kind of ended on more of an even standing where they were kind of bickering with each other at the beginning. But by the end of the episode, like they were kind of on uh, an even keel and we weren't sure how much that was going to carry over into season four. And it does seem like they've built up a little bit of a professional rapport with one another to where they can have a side conversation like this and not be at odds. Like it, it felt much more kind of um, cooperative. So that was good. Um, and then I think, Correct me if I'm wrong, Lizzie. Is this where we get the first like commercial break, like the first like where it fades out and then we go to commercial at the end of this? Because it kind of sounds like the sound fades I'm out. I'm pretty at the end of this. sure. Yeah. I, I think it's because oh, at ahead. the end of the clip, that's just Mark just like putting it basically like right. Going, uh, yeah. to sitting down on a chair again, yes. not knowing okay. it's on camera. It is, right. So, okay. So this is the first spot, too, where I'm not 100% sure which version we saw or whether it might be this mythical Frankenstein version because one of the rabbit holes I went down was that apparently in the West Coast version, now this could have been edited out on a DVD release. Like, they could have gone back and done, like, some cleanup post stuff. Um, but apparently in the West Coast version, at the end of the first scene, uh, or that the first commercial break in the West Coast version only, you could hear an audible voice in the background yell commercial. And it was only in the <laughs> West Coast version. And I sat here like the going over the goddamn Zapruder film. Like I sat here with my volume turned up <laughs> as high as it could go, like pressing the earphones in, like, can I hear this? Could not hear it. There's plenty of voices talking in the background, but none of them are, apparently it was audible enough that like people heard it on television. So it's not there. So that either means that we're watching some like, Frankenstein together cut or they did some like post-production stuff for DVD release. I'm not sure, but just thought I'd mention it. Hmm. Also poor Mark. Yeah. Mark's fine. Yeah. Mark's, totally. Oh yeah. Mark's fine. He's all better now. It's great. <laughs> Everything's fine. This. Yeah. This, he, he trashed the lounge at the end of last season. He's fine. Yeah. This yeah. bodes well for season four. Yeah. I saw the previously on, you know, they have him like pulling the gun on a bunch of kids on Aww. the subway, but they, they didn't show, you know, that he throws the gun in the river afterwards. No. Which I mean, because I because I watched the episode the, before this, you know, just to be caught up on what everyone is doing, and and I could not stop making jokes about how full of guns the Chicago River is. <laughs> <laughs> he throws a gun lot. in the river. And I'm just waiting for it to land on a bunch of other guns. <laughs> Eventually, they just stop sinking, and it's just yeah. a mound in there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that scene was so so well done, but. Mm. Ugh. Um, we come back from commercial and Jeannie is working on a patient with sinus arrhythmia and it's really cute because as she's giving, I think it's Mark, the, yeah. um, the summary of kind of the patient's status, she stumbles over her words and she's like, oh, do I need to, do I need to start over? Do I need to retake that in front of the camera crew? And it's just, as a podcaster, I feel that. <laughs> I, I feel that so strongly. If you could all hear our B-roll. And Jeannie's super embarrassed in front of the camera that Mark called her out on too many tests. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This guy doesn't need all that. Like, let's just let's go to basics here and just cut it down to what he really needs. And so she's like, oh, OK, and just kind of like sinks off really abashed. Mm-hmm. And um, Daniel, who plays this first patient? Yeah, our first patient here, Mr. Schoenberger. Played by actor Sherman Howard, who appeared in stuff like Day of the Dead, Seinfeld, The Stand, and Lethal Weapon 2. 117 credits to his name. Maybe that's where I recognized him from was Seinfeld. Yeah, it was like number two on, you his, just know on his list. So, But I, I just want to point out, like, kudos to Gloria Rubin slash Jeannie for being able to adequately portray awkwardness without making it seem scripted because this one is scripted this is not a a fuck up this is like she meant to do that and to be able to do that and pull it off convincingly and not make it look like she fucked up or like that she was trying to make it look like she fucked up you know like you know what i'm saying like she Mm -hmm. 
she did that so perfectly and it looks so natural and it was just really it's a, it's another nice little like wrinkle of this is like we're acknowledging that there's a camera crew we're acknowledging that everybody's nervous like it's very like well done yeah i love seeing great actors pretend to not be great actors mm-hmm. and i love this right back to back with morgan stern showing up and william hmac being so <laughs> awkward <laughs> Oh, sweet just baby Morgan Stern. Everything that between the both of them of just their body language and the ways their eyes are darting around. And <laughs> it, it's just, it's so, it's so awkward, but it's so well observed. Yeah, no. Mor- Morgan Stern in this episode, just like his few small appearances, I just, I just love him because we haven't seen him a whole lot. And it's just, it's always nice to be like, oh yeah, he is still in the hospital. Yeah, this is, this is <laughs> starting the arc for his exit, I think, right? Like this is, mm-hmm. I think this is starting his, his like, second exit. Well, yeah, his yeah, that's true. He did he did leave once already, but yeah, this is starting his eventual like permanent exit where he'll leave until like way way down the line when he comes back and makes a, a one off appearance. But yeah, he just comes down to awkwardly check on Mark, see how he's doing, thank him for doing the documentary, try not to look at the camera at all, yeah. and then slide away really awkwardly. <laughs> I relate to I relate to Morgan Stern on a spiritual level in this episode. <laughs> That's exactly how I would be. Um, but we go over to the nurses. The nurses are gossiping on the weirdest foreign matter extraction that they've had from from patients. And the nurse uh, nurses are also asked if there's much dating among the nurses and doctors. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Um, they also mention uh, Mark's assault, which the camera crew was apparently unaware of. They're like, oh. Like in the mm-hmm. ER, that must have been scary. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I love for the um for the extraction from patients that it was a radio up the guy's butt, <laughs> and they were talking about like if how they could turn the channels. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I thought that was a nice little touch. Like the nurses, the nurses' station chemistry in this episode is just like chef's kiss perfect throughout, and all the little ensemble scenes that they all have together. It's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the side by side comparisons too on YouTube, like you see how the subtle differences like make a big difference in terms of like how jokes land and things like that. Like Malik's uh, take at the end of this, where he's like, "Well, there it is." Like in one version or the other, he is like half a second late to it, and it lands so much better in the version we saw. Uh, so I guess in the East Coast version, he was like half a second late, and the joke doesn't quite land nearly as well as it does here. So like. I can see why they maybe chose this one to go on the DVD. Uh, but we go out of there. Uh, we actually follow along right uh, here. Uh, Carol goes off to, a, quote unquote, assist Doug with a patient uh, in one of the exam rooms and uh, doesn't realize that she's still on a hot mic. So they're talking uh, <laughs> through the window and kind of, you know, they're, they're clearly, uh, they have clearly started, they, they've become an item since their uh, kiss at the end of season three. That wasn't just a one-off thing. And uh, Clooney again here, <laughs> saying you know talking shit to the cameraman like wave say wave say hi dumbass like it's just (laughs) i love i love clooney so much i love when he gets to be funny uh but uh we go from there to carter talking to the crew about the er and how responsible they are compared to surgeons like he's so up his own ass in this moment like just it's so perfect really is i didn't mention when we started out he said what's your history with er um, I used to watch it as, as a comedy. I would call it the torture of the doctor's comedy hour <laughs> because I like to think of it not as about 
like a real medical drama, but like a bunch of characters that are kind of stuck in in hell and the writers are like God torturing them because nothing ever works for them. Everything is always awful all of the time. They never catch a single break. And like Carter, this whole episode is exactly what I'm talking about. Everything he tries, he gets puked on. He gets fucked around with his job. <laughs> he gets yelled at. Yeah. yeah, love it. It never works. Yeah, doesn't go well for Carter here. As uh, as Diana mentioned, he gets puked all over. And our puking guy is another sort of, oh, hey, it's that guy. Not really. He's pretty tenuous. I really grabbed this one just for his name because it's an A-tier name. Uh, Googie Gress is this actor's name. Um, and he has the distinction of playing a mission control person in two separate uh, space movies, uh, Apollo 13 and Armageddon. Oh. Uh, I'm shocked Lizzie didn't catch this, considering those are two movies that end up on repeat in our household on a regular he basis. Look, I will say he's very um, he's dirtied up here. Like they really they they, okay. they have homeless yeah. him up quite a bit here. So you might not recognize him. He's much, especially in Apollo 13. Like I know who he is in Apollo 13. I'm not as familiar with Armageddon, but Apollo 13, I know exactly who he oh, is. Oh, okay. I just. I just, my brain just, it clicked. Okay, yeah. I know who he is. So, Apollo 13, Paul 13 okay, Armageddon, uh, Good versus Evil, and the television series Parenthood. Yeah. Hmm. Which one? There have actually been two. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, it's one of those weird things that we did turn up on 302010. Yeah, it's the, like, oh, right, there was a Parenthood show starring uh, Ed Begley Jr. that came out a year after the movie. No, not that one. Let me see. It's I'm the on one with IMDb, Lauren. So I can tell you right now. The recent one. Yes, the recent one. He was on that for like three right, seasons. 2010 to 2014. Yeah, he was on that for like two or three seasons. Um, and then we have Mark is getting interviewed by Aggie, and he explains that the ER is the only source of care for disenfranchised communities. And Daniel, you had a note here? Yeah, just the, so as he's talking about this, they do like a uh, – he's he's talking to the camera, and as he's talking to the camera, he's pulling gloves out of a box, and he's getting ready to put them on to go exam a patient. And as he starts to put the gloves on, they start doing this slow, tight zoom in on his face. And from talking with Darren, the props guy, we learned that one of the most uh, kind of difficult things to do in a scene is the gloves. Like he was like, really? He was like special effects. He was like, we didn't really have problems with that very much. He was like, but the actors would struggle with putting on the gloves or they would break the gloves and like their fingers would pop through. Um, so I can guarantee with this being live, I guarantee they wanted to cover for that as much as possible. So they were just like, just do a tight zoom in on his face just so that we don't have to see his hands. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but he keeps getting interrupted as they're trying to talk to him and he has to go check on Jeannie's patient. I called him cigar man at first, but we learn his name is Mr. Schoenberger and, um, he sticks him back on a monitor as he's getting ready to leave because he thinks that there was a possible MI and just needs to do some more tests to double check. And I want to know, how does this documentary work with HIPAA and patient confidentiality? Because we have established by this point, HIPAA has been into legislation. So, like, do each of these patients have to sign um, consent waivers to be on this? Like, because there's some where they're just going to be in the background. They're not going to know. I was just thinking, like, that's... It was one of the bigger, like not goofs but like criticisms people i read with, that people were writing about this episode that, that the whole premise was flawed because there's no way that you'd be able to do a documentary like this in an er uh in the age of hipaa like if it was a few years earlier before HIPAA, for maybe. everybody right yeah like it's just impossible well yeah and then mark's a piece of shit here and is talking to the cameraman and is like yeah you know he's got some evidence of blah 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 but also i'm buying some time to cover my ass that i didn't catch it 
Like, why would you admit that on screen? <laughs> You're someone who's had a malpractice lawsuit before. Why would you say something like this? No. I don't know. I think Mark's just not in his right mind because no. he also said that he's been there since he left med school six years ago. And that math doesn't add up to me. <laughs> no. Yeah, that would be, what, 91? So he that would admit, that would, well, maybe then. I don't know because... Yeah. He was a third year well, resident. I mean, based on Anthony. Yeah, based on Anthony Edwards' age, he would have been 29 oh, well, at that, the time. Yeah, that's true. That, that too. That part doesn't. Yeah. yeah. The real Dr. Green, that doesn't match up. Uh, but then our next patient that we go to is a gentleman respiratory arrest. His name is Boz. And then we also get the uh, Ron Swanson origin story here. Because <laughs> uh, uh, hi, Nick Offerman. How are you yeah. doing today? Comes in, he's a friend of the guy, uh, looking very. Not sure how they're trying to exactly portray him. Scuzzy. Yeah, yeah scuzzy, I guess. In, in Grungy. A, Grunge yeah, adjacent. In a, ge- yes, in a very, very 90s jean jacket vest. <laughs> but the gentleman who's actually who's actually the patient, uh, he has a mass in his throat from throat cancer, and he's they do the choking sounds so incredibly well. Ooh. It was extremely gross, and they're trying to figure out if this guy, because he's like end-stage cancer... If he has a DNR, if he wants to actually like have a crike put in because they can't just intubate him because of the mass on his throat. So, but uh, Nick Offerman is just like, just do it, just do it, just do it. And, and like the guy can't even write on a tablet to let them know what he wants because he's in such distress. Yeah. Mm. Oh, this was one of those where it's not often the ER makes me actively cringe and like need to look away from what's going on. Seizure scenes aside. This one though, I was just like, Oh, I almost can't, like, I was, like, wincing watching this. It was so visceral and so well done. Uh, but then after that, uh, we get, I wish we had more side characters like this. Like, I'm sure, like, I know, like, I know it's meant to be highlighted in, like, because it's a live episode, it's a documentary, but we have our next audio clip for you. It's the most lovely janitor, a janitor working on cleaning up all the puke from Carter's patient and talking to <laughs> the cameras. No, 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 you do not want to know. I wouldn't ask if I didn't want to know. I have done this too long not to know. This job, people don't want to hear about. Why, because of what you clean up? (laughs) This is nothing. Believe me, this is just a little picnic. You ought to see what some of them do. A body is only so big, but you can hardly believe all that comes out of it. (laughs) You get used to it, though. Like every mom and daddy get used to changing a baby's diaper but the blood and the gore you know what the gore is right that's the part you don't talk about when you go home and they ask you how your day was no no (laughs) it doesn't bother me (laughs) you see I'm a religious person and I believe human beings were created in God's image. So, whatever I'm cleaning up must be just fine. <laughs> you believe? I don't know. You mean believe in God? Uh-huh. You couldn't do my job if you didn't. You could maybe be a doctor or a nurse or make a movie. Not my job. Hey, I'll tell you something else, too. If Louise, think... we need you in the trauma room. Guys, stop breathing. I'm on my way. Ooh. 
I'll catch you later. <laughs> Show you later. Like he was just about to dispense such great wisdom. <laughs> I know. No, just stay with him. I want to be best friends with this guy. I know. I mean, he's 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 sort of a stock character as, you know, the kindly old black guy, mm-hmm. you know, who's just full of wisdom for all the white folks around. But I love his <laughs> attitude. He's <laughs> just so like, good. Doctors don't need to believe in God, but I fucking do. Ugh, yeah, and I love that whole, like, yeah, we were made in God's image. So this is probably okay. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Um, and before we get to who plays him, Daniel, I want to know if you were able to find this out or not. Is this the same, um, janitorial guy from the earlier season with the housekeeping goof where, like, two of them were running to a cardiac arrest Mm. and they were passing a janitor who was looking for, like, a clogged toilet? Yeah, no, it is- Because he looked really familiar to me. Yeah, it is not the same guy. That was, um, that was last season. That was Carter and Doyle, I think. They were run. Was that only yeah, last season? Yeah, it was last season. season. They were running when the Carter and Doyle were on the co team. Yeah, they were running around. Trying- it was early. I mean, it was right after Doyle joined. I think so. wasn't wasn't this super all recent. Together, I don't know what time is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no different different Fair. guy. This one is played by actor Brent Jennings, uh, who appeared in stuff like the movie Witness, Red Heat, and I recognized him from Moneyball, uh, where he played one of the coaches, uh, Ron Washington. Oh, I. Yeah, he's he's someone's partner in Witness. I think I think he might be Harrison Ford's partner. There you go. Yeah, uh, I recognized him. I would also cool. like to add um, mop and bucket sounds to our list of unpleasant ER ASMR, like <laughs> because just hearing what's, hearing that without the visual worse? was very unpleasant. What's worse, the makeout noises or the mop and bucket? I think makeout noises are still, still pretty. Makeout close. noises are still at top of the list, but this is up there for stuff I would rather watch and listen to rather than just listen to. Yeah, I think I had hoped that it was the same actor just because we've had such good continuity for minor characters yeah, lately. They, they like usually, with the ophthalmologist and everything. So here's my like, and I, I know a lot of these it is sort of coincidental, i.e. like Nick Offerman. I don't think, Diana, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Nick Offerman was a big actor at this point. Like, I think he was still kind of getting his oh God, feet no. wet. Yeah. So, but my head yeah. canon with a lot He's of He's a these, glorified extra. Right. <laughs> my head canon with a lot of these, because this is very different from a normal uh run-of-the-mill episode we've had up to now where there's been a few oh hey it's that guy sprinkled in there and then a lot of people who are just getting their their big break or just starting out or, or really never really go on to do very much after this i suspect that because this was live they didn't cull from the usual pool of extras like i think they probably put in calls to people they knew could do it and so that's why you're seeing more people who have more robust filmographies and people who had more kind of more experience under their belt that they knew weren't going to freeze up in front of a live camera. That's, that's my head cannon for it because it just seems it's, it's almost, it's almost uncanny how many of these people are like, Oh, Hey, it's that person's um, like, it feels like it can't be in uh, an accident or a coincidence. It's, it's a gift for you, Daniel. <laughs> that's what it is. It's a, the show's present to you. This episode is a gift to all of us in all of our different ways. Uh, but after that, we have our, Follow that up with another audio clip of uh, Mark talking about some tough patients they've had over the years. Most of the ones I can remember from my first year. Uh, after a while, you get protective. You, know, you don't don't let them get to you. So what does it take these days to mm. break through your armor? It doesn't happen. But there was this one girl my first year. I guess I got used to this being a county facility. Treated a lot of homeless people, a lot of people from the projects. One day this girl came in traffic accident in a coma brain dead and i realized i knew her 
She was the kid's sister of a guy I'd gone to med school with. One night, she tried to show me how to slam dance, you know, just fooling around. That's when I realized that trauma isn't something that happens to other people. It could happen to you. That's right. Does it change things when it is you? What do you mean? When you yourself are traumatized. As a doctor, I see you have a splint on your wrist. I heard that you had an incident recently here at the hospital. Is that what you're doing here? I'm sorry, I didn't I know I had a sore spot, but safety is something everybody worries about. Is that why you picked me to get into all that? Dr. Green, we are not here to make you uncomfortable. You don't have to talk about something if you don't want to. Good, because I'm not. But we are here, and we are committed to making this film. And we want you to have an opportunity to say what's on your mind. Yeah, well, I have nothing to say. Uh, I agreed to let you follow me around. You can do that, but no more comments, no interviews. Dr. Green, we are professionals. We're not here to attack you. Aggie. Oh, diegetic music. I love you so. Uh, I I love it, but just that drummer was driving me nuts by the end of that episode. I was like, we need to take these drumsticks away. I <laughs> had the exact opposite reaction. I loved it. Yeah. Like in place of his actual score, I it was absolutely fantastic to build it. tension. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'll be the I'll be the unpopular vote for once on this one and say, "Nah, fam, I'm that's good." That's totally fine. <laughs> um, and you know, and you know, in true Mark fashion, he would rather just be an asshole to someone rather than actually go to therapy. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm. why, why talk? Yeah, there's oh, there's nothing to say. No, there, you have a lot to we, say. We've buddy. established like, this before. <laughs> Men would rather become a natural disaster than go to therapy. Like this is, <laughs> this, is true. this is this is well established. And I'm, I know this episode's a bit of a listening party, but I'm so glad because there are so many like good beats that are going to be important for the season structure as a whole in here. And Daniel, I have to ask you this because you're our king <laughs> of ER layouts after that um, video you did for season one. What the hell corner of the <laughs> ER is that? Like, was that where the telephone booth used to be? Or is this some other weird just angle that we're not seeing? That yeah, often, it, it's the where he like bails out. Yeah, it's it's the latter. So it confused me at first, too. I had to rewind it a few times to get my bearing straight. So if if we're using Jerry's position as our kind of central focus, so we're kind of smack dab in the center of the ER. If you're looking out um, away from the ambulance bay, you're not looking towards the ambulance bay. You're looking out towards that wall. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing you're talking about, the telephone room, that would be on Jerry's right. So that wall that, mm-hmm. um, if you're looking from the trauma rooms, you'd be looking straight at that wall. This is the, the doorway that is in that corner to the left. So, um, variously, this is probably the most malleable section of the ER. It changes a lot over the early seasons, uh, to be different things. It has been variously since the beginning of the show, um, an exterior door. So sometimes you can see like sunlight pouring through the, the windows of the door, um, so it's been an exterior door. It's been just an entrance to a hallway and it's also been a secondary waiting area. So there's been like little clumps of chairs over there um, as kind of like an overflow for the chairs area. Um, I don't know why they chose to shot there. It is the least like visually interesting area in the whole ER. Like there's just cinder blocks behind him. There's nothing, nothing there that would really, I think maybe the only reason is because the payphone is there and they want to get the guy drumming on it as like kind of a backdrop for maybe. that. But yeah, I can't think of any other reason why they would choose to shoot there. For my birthday this year, can you do a season three analysis of that corner? <laughs> just that corner? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a very quick video. <laughs> just that corner? Just the, the history of that corner over four seasons? You've got till May. You're fine. Um, but then from there, we go. Boz's wife is there, and Carrie asks Carter to discuss with her like the different treatment options that they're looking into because of his you know advanced cancer and everything. 
And Carter mentions to the camera crew that he's a second year and, you know, this is, you know, this is why I'm trusted to do this, blah, blah, blah. Carrie shoots him down on film immediately. It's like, <laughs> no, you're an intern. No, you, you, you have to restart the program. You start at square zero. You're an intern. And he is so floored that, like, he's just like, what? <laughs> and it's, it's again, great, great performance from Noah Wiley as always, just how he delivers this disappointment and, like, kind of stumbles through the next little bit as he's coming to terms with the fact that, oh, shit, I'm starting at the beginning again. I mean, to be fair, granted how hellish his year in surgery was last year. <sighs> yeah. So hellish that it drove him away from the, from the program. And also the fact he's not even being paid for this. Mm-hmm. That is true. You got to remember through all of the all of season four, he's not even being he's not even being paid to deal with all of this shit. Unless they found him a salary and don't mention it, but yeah, we are under yeah. the assumption that he said, "Nope, I will do this for free. Just get me in the program." Yeah, he doesn't need the money. He don't no. feel sorry no, he for doesn't. him. But like, but like that just like that just adds an extra layer to it for me. Is getting just, puked on. <laughs> yeah, starting at ground zero. It's like you could at least give me ten dollars an hour to get puked on, like. <laughs> Is that, your, is that your base rate? No, 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 no. I'm a, if you're going to puke on me, it's got to be at least uh, $500 an hour, please. Plus that, dry cleaning. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, that's a little low, but you know, you're no, you, child. That's more than enough to cover dry cleaning. So. I, um. And multiple showers. So. <laughs> I love this show. Uh, then we go from there. Carter is talking to Boz's wife about his condition and um, she's, he's like, hey, does he have a DNR? We didn't find one. And she pulls it out of her purse and is like, yeah, here it is. And it turns out that Roger, a.k.a. Nick Offerman, took the one that had been by his bedside because he didn't want his friend to die. He didn't want, like, a DNR so his friend might die because they're besties. And he wants him to be okay. So that's kind of messed up, but kind of cute, I guess. And the the wife is so bizarre. She's just like, yeah, you know, here's this, here's this. Do you want to hear about how I make him his food? Do you want to hear about blah, blah? Do you want to hear about our sex life? Like, I didn't know I was watching The Room, but okay. <laughs> I'll take it. I just love how freaking over this shit she is. Like, she's been there dealing with this horrible medical stuff, watching her husband just waste away. And yeah, Yeah. she's just she just wants it to be over. And and now it's not going to be. And she's just done. And she is super done with every doctor and all their stupid crap. And she's like late teens, early 20s tops. Yeah. yeah, she's a baby. Very, very young here. Uh, and she's played by actress Summer Phoenix, uh, the baby sister of River and Joaquin Phoenix, uh, youngest of the wow. youngest of the five Phoenix Phoenixes. Phoenix, how what's the what's the plural? Phoenix. <laughs> uh, Phoenixes. Phoenixes. I don't know. Uh, she appeared in stuff like The Believer, The Faculty, and SLC Punk. And then our next scene goes over to uh, Doug, Doug and Dr. Delamico. They're working on a tiny baby who got bit by a dog, and the baby is absolutely screaming in this version, mm-hmm. but not in the yeah, other. This is our other one of mm-hmm. our other tells uh, about which version you're watching. Apparently, in the East Coast version, baby could not be ours to cry, but in the West Coast version, cried all it was too late for it. Baby just wanted to go to bed. Fair enough. I feel you, baby. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> With some absolutely outstanding camera work it has one of the best reveals for the punchline of of this whole scene yeah oh how the camera's just staying with the doctors and the kid and the guy yelling about it wasn't my dog he doesn't bite anyone and like uh now this is a kid bite and that's when the camera just pulls out a little bit see oh there's a toddler (laughs) sitting right there he looks really Mm, guilty (laughs) yeah i didn't do it Why'd, oh, you, so why'd funny. you bite your sister? You love your sister. <laughs> oh. 
I... Uh, it was just yeah a solid solid laugh <laughs> was i'm sure not easy to set up i mean every no. single scene oh, uh, i yeah. just keep watching how people are choreographed well, and moving around and where's the camera going to be and it's like it's really easy to screw up this gag and i feel like this was mentioned maybe in our interview with carly um when she had talked about you know kind of the moving pieces of the set and how that's the, how they were able to do the live shot. Because I know she wasn't there for the live show, right. but she talked about how that played into, you know, the malleability of the set was that they were able to kind of work around corners and move things out of the way in order to pull off some of these little Houdini tricks to get just those right yeah. um, tracks to do stuff. Yeah, I would imagine, I'd, we haven't talked to anybody specifically about this, but I remember when we were talking to Darren he said that there was a lot of times, I suspect it was probably the case in this episode too. He said there were a lot of times when they would do those very complicated one shot takes where it was like scene after scene after scene uh, of just one shot um, that a lot of times they would have crew members disguised as nurses and doctors in the background so that they could slip in and fix somebody's mic or slip in and replace tools on a, you know, on a uh, tray or whatever, whatever needed doing and needed to be off camera or, or might get picked up by camera. They wanted to make sure that it didn't look like that person didn't belong there. So, um, entirely possible. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Sorry, Darren and Carly, if I got, (laughs) no, 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 but it's, you're right though. It's like it, especially to like in a scene like this, where, like I said, in one version or the other, a kind of a crucial element of the scene is changed outside of anyone's control. You know, because even just the way that Clooney and the parents' dialogue goes back and forth, their their dialogue is clearly intended to be shouted over the kid crying. So if I imagine that had to be <laughs> kind of jarring and, and confusing for them in the moment of like, this kid's supposed to be crying. What the fuck? Like, oh, shit. Like, you know, do we just do we just yell and pretend like it's crying? Like, what do we do? You know, and so like to, to be able to still pull that off, even when a crucial element gets changed like that and still nail the punchline with the pull out camera movement, like. Like Diana said, I'm I'm just floored again and again that they were able to pull this off with any kind of any kind of uh, what the word is. I'm trying to think of it completely blanked out, but just like to be able to be <laughs> yeah. able to pull this off at all, finesse. yeah, with any kind of finesse, like it's incredible. But we go right out of the crying baby uh, that leads us right into our next patient, Mark's crusade patient for the episode. In case you forgot, Mark sucks. Uh, for like for like three minutes. Yeah, it's not even like a full blown plot line. It's just three minutes of him being a yeah, dick. Yeah, right. It's, it's, He's such a dick. He, he is a dick here. Yes. Uh, pattern of behavior for him lately. Uh, there's a the woman that's in the next bed over. Um, is uh, she's got burns on her face and her lips, and Mark is again an ass and is basically just is like, well, yeah, you need to stop doing crack. And then shames her as he's walking away, saying that the uh, taxpayers aren't interested in paying for her drug screen. Great job, Mark. Love mm. to see it. Uh, Best doctor. Yeah. And our patient here is played by actress Tracy VR or Villar. I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name. Um, she appeared in stuff like K-Pax and the movie Double Jeopardy. Is she one of the other mental patients in K-Pax? Possibly. It's been a very long time Has since anyone I've seen that movie. Seen, yeah. I, nope. It's been a, it's been a, I haven't seen that movie i haven't actually watched that movie since all the kevin Spacey yeah i don't think it's one i'll out, be revisiting but, yeah probably not but it was excellent though <laughs> i I'm, loved it i'm not familiar with it then we have carrie finds peter sleeping in the hall i should mention earlier in the episode peter had mentioned he was on for a 36 36th hour of his shift so he's he's just pushing through um but carrie needs him because there's a double trauma coming in related to gang violence 
then we flip over to Mark and Doug are gossiping in the lounge about the documentary team, which seems really smart given that there's a camera that they don't know about in there. And right about then, Carol comes in and says, oh, you think you should be doing that in front of their camera? And wow. it's a great wow. shot of the two of them peeking <laughs> up into that corner, like super, super close fisheye lens. And it's it's such a good shot of the two of them. And it's like that's that's peak um, Mark and Doug right there. It's like that. Uh, it's like that Jim Carrey Ace Ventura <laughs> shot, like where he's like yeah. peeking around the camera like that. Like it's very similar to that. Yeah. Yep. And then um, the first of the victims from the gang violence comes in it's a 14 year old with blunt trauma from baseball bats all over yeah and the uh 30 year and the next victim is a 30 year old man who suffered a 15 foot fall uh pushed over a rail on down onto 15 foot fall onto concrete and lauren put in that drumstick man needs to stop (laughs) mark agreed with me yeah well that's because you know in the context of the scene sure but in, in the context of my eardrums but in the context of building tension, but, I thought right. it was it did, it, it did its job because it made you feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable and feel overwhelmed, and which is what it's supposed to do. It was a very slick way of them to incorporate that diegetic sound that Diana was talking about. I, I'm not disagreeing that it did its <laughs> job. I'm just saying I found it highly unpleasant and I didn't want it there, <laughs> which means it was perfect, but I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. And, and the gentleman's name is, uh, the, the gentleman's name is Theo. Um, who's the yeah the fall victim and he can't squeeze anyone's hand or shrug his shoulders so uh-oh this does not bode well um and then we have a bunch of guys in chairs are looking for the young gentleman that was brought in and chuni yells at them and tells them to stay back and like wait in chairs for everything um and it turns out that they were tailing the ambulance all the way to county and the sister goes out to give them a piece of her mind and tells them to, like, back the hell off and leave them alone. It was so great. I love that she just marches out there and it's like, oh, there's a cholo convention out there full of violent dicks. Oh, I will take them on single-handedly. Especially, I am, like, four and a half feet tall. Let's go. Especially in her little overalls, too. Yeah. Like, it's just, she's, she's so good, and it's such a, it's such a powerful performance from her. But, um, J- Daniel, who plays she her? She is our first of two, uh will eventually return as a different character uh, appearances in this episode. Justina Machado is the actress's name, and she will be returning to us all the way down the line in season 15 as Morris's girlfriend, Claudia Diaz, where I think she makes nine appearances total. Um, But yeah, so check back with her in 11 seasons. (laughs) She's so good for for Morris in the later season. Yeah. In that in that season she's just a she's a fun actor too she was uh r.i.p one day at a time but she was great on that yeah um but yeah she's a little firecracker here and then when she comes out and starts yelling at them it escalates into a crazy brawl in the admit area where the camera pans (laughs) all the way back and everybody in that area just starts fighting it doesn't matter if they're doctors admit team um, cholos doesn't <laughs> as as Diana so lovingly put it. It doesn't matter. They're all fighting, and the the head the main kid who is giving everybody shit shoves the camera guy, and it falls. He falls back, and it goes to black for the next camera or for yeah, the next for commercial ne- for, break. Yeah. Which apparently that was another that was another East Coast West Coast split was um, in one of the versions. I guess the West Coast version, the one we saw. Um, you'll notice before the kid punches the camera or, or hits the camera, he slips. 
um, and apparently that was not that was not supposed mm-hmm. to happen. He was not supposed to slip, but I guess with all the mayhem and stuff, he just <laughs> it worked. Yeah, it worked. He still managed to hit yeah. the camera. I would have completely whiffed and just hit my face on the ground. So kudos to that guy. <laughs> this is one of those scenes like that I want to dissect and just be like, okay, who's pulling their punches? Who's accidentally hitting people? Right. Because, you know, someone had to have gotten hurt during this. It's extremely but... well choreographed for that much chaos. Yeah. On a live broadcast, like it's mm-hmm. incredibly well choreographed. Yeah, you're you're right. You're waiting for someone to actually kick someone, Mm -hmm. to pick someone up and then flail their limbs and someone actually gets kicked in the head. And I think it was just really jarring for me because it's not often we get those wide shots in Mm. ER. So to just see that wide of a thing and not have it be focusing on any one central character in the background, it was I had a little trouble like deciding what I was looking at with all the crazy. They also played with the aspect ratio on this episode, too. The aspect mm-hmm. ratio is different in this episode than it is in all the other episodes. I think they said 4-3 was the one they did for this one. Um, so, and mm. it's the only one that they ever did like that. So, <sighs> All right. Well, after that craziness, we go into uh, Carrie examining uh, Theo's spinal films, and we have the audio of that. Uh, at the moment, the gentleman's C4 nerve, that's the nerve between the fourth and fifth cervical vertebrae, is still functioning. Meaning he can move the diaphragm and shrug his shoulders. But if the swelling continues and he becomes a C3, he will lose the ability to breathe on his own. So how is the shooting going so far? Are you getting everything you need? Yeah, I think so. It's been good. Good. Yeah, one of the things I noticed that you might be missing is the importance of women... Excuse me women working in the ER has changed dramatically over the last few years. All kinds of diversity among medical workers is crucial to the understanding of how emergency medicine has evolved. Yeah, I'll mention that to Aggie and Stuart. Um, what was that you were pointing to? Uh, here. Yeah. This is a fracture of the fourth and fifth cervical vertebra. And what does that mean? It means that Mr. Williams, who tried to be a good Samaritan and stop a young man who didn't even know from being beaten to death, is now paralyzed from the neck down. Okay. David, come on come in, come in. No, I'd rather talk This is uh, the, Dr. Morgenstern, our too modest chief of emergency no, services. Uh, now, we have had our little altercation. It's all settled. The police subdued the police. Police? Give it to you, Dr. Reddit. Is something wrong? Chest pain. Radiating? To the jaw. Started 20 minutes ago. Oh, God. Lay down. Lay down. Let's get you on a monitor. Here you go, gently. You get out. Out. Get out. Out. Lydia. Lydia, grab me some atropine nitro. Uh, 12 minute EKG. Oh, God. Call sex monitor and start a line. Here you go, baby. Gonna take good care of you. Weaver is a badass. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> we we are staunchly on Team Carrie over here. We know she's a very divisive character some places, but we we love her here. Oh, just I I love her trying to make the point about diversity and telling all these different stories. And then the guy isn't freaking listening to her and she explains it again very calmly like, "Okay, we're going to make this point so you understand what I was just saying, you jerk." And then boom right into action yeah but he's too busy looking at the pretty girl in the dress mm-hmm. and then pedantic take here everybody's shocked 
Um, I've noticed twice in this episode so far, they have piped in the same baby crying mm-hmm. noise, once with the janitor and once here. And it's just like, that is the same canned baby <laughs> noise over and over again. Like, I feel like we should have a tally going because I didn't have a whose films are those moment for this episode. So I feel like I'm on baby cry watch. Well, you can only get one baby to cry That's once. Crazy. That's all you can get. The, from the real baby, the real baby couldn't more. be counted on to cry for both episodes. So, uh, you know, you could get a variety of babies <laughs> crying and like keep some in the can for later uses. Those it doesn't have to be the same one. Their closet full of babies. Closet full of babies. Closet, <laughs> <full> of babies. <laughs> <sighs> closet full of nightmare latex babies. Yes. Yes. But yeah, I I definitely agree that you know Carrie Carrie's a badass here and is like, no, I'm going to use this platform to try and make a salient point, and then Morgan Stern comes in and it's like, oh shit, my BFF. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep so we go out of there we see carol doing a stick test on theo uh to see how bad his nerve damage is uh still can't feel most of the sticks on his arm or chest uh so it's looking like theo might be paralyzed yikes uh then we see genie chasing malik down the hallway for the ultrasound machine <laughs> and realizes that uh he's taking it into Morganstern and stops so we go for and so we get actually a cool shot as, as they're coming to the room here we get like kind of an establishing shot of who all is in this room um and i think it's carrie uh malik and um lydia ellen um which brings so another like it like thing you might not think about while watching this like in a normal episode when they're shooting their scenes all the other people are you know in their trailer or they have gone home for the day or they're you know they're not where you left them at the end of the last scene that's not the case here because of the high frenetic nature of this episode and how it you know it's live tv they have to stay in the room where we left them last and uh during our interview with ellen crawford she was talking about this episode and was saying how one of her like most vivid memories of filming this episode was during the times where they were trapped in this room with William H. Macy and he was regaling them all with tales of his bachelor party from when he got married. I guess, I guess he got married recently to Felicity Huffman. So he's like, (laughs) she was like, yeah, she's like, I don't really remember a whole lot about filming the live episode, but I do remember Bill Macy telling us all about his bachelor party while he was stuck on that gurney. (laughs) I also, I also loved how she said Bill Macy and, um, Tony, yeah, Edwards. Tony, Edwards. Tony Edwards. Those were like, both really jarring no, for me. that's wrong. His name is Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. Uh, and uh, for the next scene, I got the audio for two reasons. One, because it's our really our only audio glitch of the episode, um, which is really weird. And B, because the queen, the queen of badasses on this show, we are introduced to one Elizabeth Corday. <laughs> Get the elevator. Yeah, but you're gonna have to get in line. I need a CT. No, no time. You're gonna have to drill the burr holes in up in the OR. Let's move. Carter, where are you going? I'm banging. No, not anymore. Go, move. Dr. Benton. Thank you. I'm so a little disappointed I left surgery, isn't it? Oh, uh, excuse me, I miss Could you point me towards casualty? Uh, sorry, trauma. I mean trauma. Trauma is that way. Okay. Uh, you need any help? No, I'll call out if I get lost. Okay. You okay? Kid was trying to get out of a game. In the ER, Carter. Get him on the elevator alive, you've done your job. How do you think he's gonna do? Well, he's got a blown left pupil, probably means a chronic vegetative state. He doesn't bleed to death first. Could she be more Britishy here, though? <laughs> no, and no. I, I did say that. I was like, she's so prim and proper in this first, like, intro episode. Like, they eventually kind of 
whittle that down a little bit and yeah. make the Britishisms a little bit less. But yeah, in this first episode, definitely, you're just like, oh, okay. It's just cultural immersion. Like, yeah. you know, if she's coming straight from <laughs> London. Fair. Then, like, you know, it's like, it, it, that's actually a plot point. And after, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, after Mark passes away later in, in oh, season Oh, yeah, we eight, were supposed to do another like, spoiler disclaimer for the new season. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, here's yeah. your, yeah, you here's can, your you disclaimer. Can, you can there will be spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess now this is a good time to mention we are getting into the meat of the show, both in terms of character introductions and also like quality of story. So we are going to be talking a lot more about these things as a whole. Yeah. So they all tie together much more densely in the next four or five seasons than they have up to now. Yeah. Like this is like chapter two of the show is seasons four through seasons four through eight. Um, but it's a big plot point for her, like afterwards is that she feels so after mark dies she goes back to london mm-hmm. and she's a fish out of water right there so there's a really the really good episode of the season nine premiere where it just focuses on that and it's like the exact opposite of this she's calling everything the exact right thing that would be right. chicago but but poncy brits <laughs> in <laughs> but talking on the audio issue for a minute my other way that you could look at it is the camera crew doesn't have Carter hot mic because they don't think he's important enough. That's that's also so fair. I, thought, that, I thought they, of that. But. So it's that Doppler sound of like him yelling down the hallway. That's just what the camera crew would hear because they don't have a mic because he's just an intern. Why would anybody care? So like that was kind of how I excused it away when really it's just no, they probably just didn't have his yeah. mic on. But anyway, but that was going back to that uh, Alex, uh, not Alex. <laughs> Daniel, who plays uh, one Dr. Elizabeth Cordes. She Kordak. is played by actress Alex <laughs> Kingston, making her first of 160 appearances through 2004 as a regular cast member, uh, but ultimately 2009. She will she does come back and make a couple of appearances in season 15. Um, and what a baptism by fire for her. Get tossed right into the live yep. episode as a new yeah. character. Like, what a ballsy choice to introduce such a long-term character in the live episode. That is certainly a choice. I didn't even mm. think of that. Like, holy ooh. shit! Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Like one of like your most important female characters in the entire. Yeah. No show. pressure. No pressure at all. Just, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. New yeah. job. Starting the new job with the new coworkers. Don't want to fuck up on the first day on live television in front of forty-three million people. Mm. <laughs> but I mean, it kind of it kind of mirrors where Elizabeth's at. It's she's true. starting a new job. She doesn't want to fuck up. She's lost. She's confused. So, like, okay, it tracks. Um, but yeah, and Lizzie's namesake. Yeah, also one of the major influences of me choosing my name as a trans person. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but then we have Mark goes to check on Morgan Stern, and Carrie is working on getting him up to the cath lab. So we will we will hopefully see that Morgan Stern's doing a little better. Um, no one's listening to Carter. Everyone's too busy because Carter just, because what was he going to complain about? Was it just the fact that he was pissed about being an intern? Yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. just being, just being a little baby about yeah, it. He just, he just wants clarification and everybody's too busy to talk to him. Um, and then Mark gets Theo's babysitter, on, Theo's child's <laughs> babysitter on the phone and tells her to run and get, um, his wife and get her in a cab and down here immediately because in much, pretty much longer, Theo may not be able to speak. So like life if you want... before cell phones. Yep. So if you want it's final so moments complicated that you got to call the house, talk to the babysitter, convince the babysitter that you're, this is not a prank. Get, get the neighbor someone... to watch the kid, get the neighbor to watch the kid. Hopefully the neighbor is not the crack addict with the burned face <sighs> and go 
run to a physical place and get the wife and then get her a cab. Yep. Yeah, I wonder how much of this show would be different if it had been done in the time of cell phones. Well. Mm-hmm. Give it, give it like a couple what, more years than it will be. Choices they <laughs> like, would have. That, that's that's okay, the that's cool fair. thing about it is that <laughs> it lasted I mean, that long. Like, okay, but I mean to the sh- like to the sheer availability sure. where everybody has one all the time. Um, but yeah, so that's that's nuts and good on Mark for being like, no, she needs to be here. Um, but then Elizabeth comes down to look for the boy from the blunt trauma, the fourteen-year-old from earlier, and she's just so young and proper while she's asking everybody for help. She's such a baby. <laughs> she really is. I'm so used to seeing her in Doctor Who, and so yeah. this, like that's what I've watched her in more recently. So this is what throws me off. Is I'm like, like she's so young. Here. Even that, she's seven years away from being the Doctor's wife. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's 2004, 2003. So she's closer here to being the doctor's wife than she is being the doctor's wife to now yeah that's nuts yeah. <laughs> no. to being that's... river song one of my favorite characters time doesn't doctor matter Hill. it's fine it's it's fine yeah. I'm, I'm i'm done you you can wrap up on <laughs> <laughs> i can't handle it oh but uh well we had an- another little update on morgan stern um as he's being <laughs> brought up to the cath lab one of the camera people much to carrie's dismay uh jumps in and we have the audio of that. Gently, David, you still experiencing the same amount of pain? Okay, on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate that pain? Uh, eight, eight. Pardon? Eight. eight. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's get them on very gently, and they're all set up for us, and now we're coming. Here we go. What the hell? Hey, that, what are you doing? No, no, I asked you not to. Are you going to the cath lab? Yes, no, turn it off. Isn't there another heart patient who's been waiting for hours? What, what do you mean? Do some patients get preferential treatment in the ER? Look at me. I'm talking to you. Is this recording? Yes. Good, because I want to know, are you a doctor? Do you have any experience at all with myocardial infarctions? No. How's he doing? Sinus rhythm is 60, pulse no, up to 96. No, look at me. Then how can you make an accusation about patient treatment? Just because your camera sees a picture of one man going to the cath lab, you assume preferential treatment. Do you know what acute ST elevations are? Is there another patient in the ER who had to run a VTAC? I don't know. How's he up to be? Under five per minute. So what do you want to know? What can we tell you? I'm sorry. I got carried away. You did. Yeah. And she's, I want to point out, she's so emotional when she's talking to Morgan Stern at the beginning of this that you can hear her voice, like, quivering because she's so worried about him. And it's just, it's so sweet. But yeah, Carrie can yell at me anytime. (laughs) It's fine. I probably deserve it. Like, I love when they let her go off like that. We do, however, get our one and only almost example of corpsing in the episode. Carrie almost breaks at 3310 uh, as she's going through that big, uh, you know, what do you know about myocardial infarction thing? Like, you can just see the the slightest hint of a smirk come across her face as she almost loses it, but she manages to pull it back together. So kudos to her. Good job, Laurenus. Yes. (laughs) That guy does kind of have a point, though. Why has that guy been waiting for hours for the cat lab? Yeah. And we had all, like, forgotten about him by That's this true, point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't talk about him. They don't bring it up at all. So, yeah. It's very true. I mean, you could argue that, that Morgan Stern is in much worse condition. You could, and so, that's what right. Carrie's doing. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying, like, as, we haven't seen that patient, so we yeah. don't know. And the, presumably the cameraman has about as much knowledge of that type of diagnostic, you know, stuff as we do. So he's probably thinking the same thing. Like, well, this guy's been waiting way longer. So... 
but we go from there to see Mark running to check on a new trauma, an 82-year-old male found collapsed at his nursing home. Uh, and as they bring him into the trauma room, the camera battery is dying, complete with awful visual effect to match, which, holy shit, the balls of them to then also include visual effects on their handheld cameras that are broadcasting live. Like, <laughs> god damn, like there was nothing they Even weren't willing they to try. No sense. I think it was I think it was just they, a like, flex. The, the, the effects don't make sense. Uh, yeah, though. no, I think it was just a flex. Like, yeah. okay, that's fair. That's fair, but I was like, wait, what is what is going on here? Like is the camera just fucking up? Like No, I think like, it was just them going, look at like, all this cool like, shit we can do live. Nev- like, Fuck you, man. Like that's all that was. I've never seen a camera battery drain like that. It's just usually <laughs> Doot, 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 off. <laughs> but then again, I'm not a professional camera person. So. We're not doctors and we're not professional camera people. Yeah. We are not professional <laughs> anything. We're professional podcasters. We sure are. <laughs> okay. Um, but then we have Benton splashing his face at the drinking fountain when Elizabeth finds him. Dude, and he's she... not even splashing his face. He's like bathing his whole head. That's fair. I was like, yeah, he's just... I'm like, that's so unsanitary. Like when like, he was doing do that, that, I was like, in the time of COVID, I'm like, can you not? Yeah. Like, I mean, I just... I'm envious because your hair is so short that you can get away with that <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of. But just... also yeah. like, dude, come then on. Then he shakes her hand with, with his wet hand. You, um... Oh, Yeah. yeah. It's like there's so many things these days that I notice as far as like personal space and like physical interactions like that that I wouldn't have even thought about two years ago. And now I'm like, ah, no, can you not? <laughs> um, But yeah, she's taking over for him. So he's finally off shift. She's, you know, she's picking up for him because she's the new surgeon on, on the floor. And Benton's like, okay, great, but I'm going to take this sister upstairs to see what they can find out about the brother's status for the young boy who got beat down so that's kind of like that's kind of where we end with them for right now is benton is relieved of duty but he's gonna wrap up with this patient so he's learning a little bit from carter Hmm. this isn't his surgical patient in the past he wouldn't have done diddly with her he would have been like good luck it's speaking of carter making connections with patients uh carter is working on working with the 82 year old uh, the guy is talking about how great his sex life is <laughs> and how he is uh, there's four women to every one man in the nursing home that he's in. So he is uh, very busy and very popular. He's providing a community service. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, like it's just, he's just making everyone around him crack up. And uh, who is the show? Uh, he's played played by actor George S. O'Loughlin. Did that name ring a bell to you, Diana? Older, yeah, older Hollywood for sure. I, he he appeared yeah. in a ton of stuff. Um, the Rookies, Cop Hater, In Cold Blood, Twilight's Last Gleaming, among many other things. 117 credits dating back to 1952, uh, and unfortunately did pass away also, in 2015. I love that we just assume that any old timey actor, <laughs> Diana's just gonna be like, "Yep, I know yeah. that." When one I for pulled sure. it, I was like, because the guy has kind of a semi like recognizable face and he's so comfortable in front of the camera mm-hmm. i will admit that as i was watching i was like oh diana's gonna have good shit about this guy i was like for sure <laughs> I was like she's gonna know everything up to and including uh, his blood type like we are so sorry <laughs> but uh i did also know too so like as I, as I said the guy's very comfortable in front of the camera and i don't know if like this was one that nobody could seem to agree on whether or not it was scripted but he does he mugs for the camera like does a joke take straight Stud into service. the camera yeah. and Noah Wiley appears to laugh for real when he does this like that that did not feel like a scripted laugh from <laughs> Carter that felt very genuine 
I mean, I would have lost my shit if I'd been filming that yeah. and he did that. I wouldn't have been well, able you to. You figure too straight. that like, like I said, if they're not on camera, they're probably stuck in a room together. So he's probably been talking to this guy for the last 10 or 15 minutes and he's been probably telling jokes nonstop. Right. Mm. right. Um, but then we go over to kind of one of our like heartbreaking and very warming moments of this episode where Doris brings in a gentleman that fell through a plate glass like window or something just look bloody all over not looking great um genie's trying to get him to calm down because the minute like they go to examine him he he like wakes up and is like no don't come near me don't come near me i'm sick don't touch me like freaks out tries to like keep everybody away from him and he's he says it's because he's sick he's hiv positive and that's why he's telling everyone to stay away because he's covered in his own blood and he doesn't want to get anybody sick and Jeannie just very slowly, you know, just mm, Gloria Rubin, always on top of it, nails every, every time, just comes up to him and it's like, it's okay, it's okay. Very slowly just soothes him down and like hugs him and just, it's it's just one of, one of the best moments. And we are just, uh, Gloria Rubin can't do enough good things. She's amazing. One, one detail I had to go look into, mm-hmm. this detail... A plus to everyone. They say he fell through a plate glass window or something at a Stones concert. Yes. And yes, that night at Soldier Field was a Rolling Stones Damn. concert during the Bridges to Babylon tour. That's that's Excellent. next level. That's awesome. Yeah. Where would there have been plate glass at yeah, Soldier, at Soldier Field, for especially him to fall old through? Soldier Field? Before sorry, that was just like no, because old Soldier I mean, Field is ugly as shit. I prefer it. Mm, I prefer it to the space station. Okay, but I'm just more, I'm totally more saying it like there, there wouldn't be instances where there would be necessarily like a lot of plate glass. I'm, only thing I can think so, of is maybe they, if they like constructed a, something on the field, like a stage on the field for them, and then they had fans maybe. down on the field, yeah. they might have been something he got drunk and fell into. Or, or, or he was wasted in one of the boxes. Yeah. Oh, but that, that's know. amazing. Yeah. I did not think to look that up. That's amazing, like next level, like detail. Yep. You'll, it you'll was the second the... of two nights. They did September 23rd and then the 25th also. Nice. Daniel, you'll him. look up baseball games, but you won't look up concerts? <laughs> well, like, Come it's on. Like, for one thing, I wasn't even sure that I heard it right. Like, Stones concert. Like, it just seemed like so, like, right. I guess the Stones were, like, still touring regularly in the 90s. Like, that makes sense, but I don't know. Um, but the, our, our pa- HIV patient here uh, is the, our second of two will-be-back-later patients, uh, or actors, I should say. He's not the same patient. Um, played by actor Jesse Borrego, who will re- be returning in season 14 uh, for, I think it's it's not very many episodes. It's like a handful of episodes as a desk clerk named Javier, who I have zero memory of. So we'll be surprised when we get there. I love him. <laughs> he's so yeah. extra. He's, okay. he's the best. Well, good. That, I'm, I'm looking forward to that then. Did you... Did you recognize him here at all? I did not, probably yeah, because the, of all the blood, blood and, like <laughs> right. all the, the makeup difficult. and all the makeup on him. Yeah, but well, I wasn't sure. You know, Caden's like, voice when he he's very prim and proper and mm. very like gossipy and like gets along super well with all the nurses when <laughs> gotcha. he's on when he's a desk clerk. So. Um, and then this is our. Does He's he... the person who just go like, uh, girl, huh? <laughs> uh, and then this is kind of the most notable difference between versions. So if you're wanting to know what version you have and which version you're watching, this is the scene to look for. Um, so the patient here, um, when he's very frantic and is like, you know, don't come near me, don't come near me. He's supposed to have in his hand either a syringe or a scalpel that he grabs from the tray next to him. And then he's supposed to like brandish it at the crowd in front of him, Jeannie and Doris and the rest. Um, But in the West coast version, he dropped it. 
And so you can see in the version that's on Hulu, you can see he reaches out for it. He kind of bumps the tray before he gets it and the thing falls and you can see him have this little brief moment of panic where he's like, oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. And then he just goes right into actor mode and is just like, well, we got to fake it. And everybody else is like immediate. It's so crazy how they were able to dial that in in a matter of seconds because like no one flinches. Like Gloria Rubin and the rest, they are all like locked in and like, okay, dude's dangerous. Like they're going to act as though he's got a scalpel in his hand and he doesn't. And it's just, it's again, I don't know how they pulled this off because I would have frozen completely. I would have been like, do we do it again? I don't know what to do. Help. Like so cool. <laughs> yeah, they do it. They do a great job dialing it back to this man is screaming at us and irrational. And how do we calm him down instead of we are physically right. threatened and i think mm-hmm. they do a great job you know yeah adjusting appropriately yeah and he's just he's got his arms sort of outstretched like yeah he's gonna shove or push someone as opposed to you know stab someone yeah but yeah they still react appropriately i didn't know that was a mistake mm-hmm. i only i only caught it because we had we had talked about it a little bit when we were trying to figure out the differences and so when we were watching this i i kind of caught it and then daniel asked me like he was like did you see if the syringe was in his hand or not so I went back and I was like, oh, yeah, he does totally miss it. So the, the devil's in the <laughs> details here, folks. Yep. Um, especially with this episode. Uh, but for our next scene, uh, the camera people are asking Corday a little bit about her surgical history. So let's listen to that, shall we? So when did you decide to become a surgeon? Oh, well, that gets into pleasing my father, rattling my mother, and all sorts of boring family secrets. But the short answer is my father is a surgeon, as was his father, and my father had no sons. <laughs> Are you a resident in the UK? Well, I'm afraid it's a different system altogether. Um, I'm an FRCS, which is a fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons and a lecturer. That's roughly the equivalent of your senior surgical residence, but not really, because I have six... I'm sorry, you can't possibly be interested in this sort of thing. Ah, Dr. Benton! Rescue me from these well-intentioned people. We're just talking about the surgical service. Uh, No, thank you. Listen, have you seen that young lady I was talking to earlier? Oh, the sister of the boy up in surgery? Yeah, I got some news and I can't find her. I'll keep my eyes open. Okay, thank you. Just casually setting up just, like, little bits of, like, major parts of her character with her parents. Just... Yep. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. they go go so much into her parents in the later seasons. And the contentious relationship she has with... with, Well, she doesn't have the contentious relationship necessarily with them, but uh, both of them hate each other. Yeah. (laughs) Yep, I just had to look it up because I was like, oh, I remember when we do finally meet her dad. And I was like, oh, yay. And everyone else was like, eh? I was like, oh, because he's played by Paul Freeman, yep. who's Belloc from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> I love that guy. Uh, and Ivan Ooze from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I know that's oh, yeah. not going to be your generation, Diana, but that definitely yes, Really? Obviously. Wait, seriously? Yeah. Same guy. Yeah. <laughs> I believe we had this conversation. This is why we have you on the show, We Daniel. had this conversation. This is why we have you on the show. <laughs> uh, yeah. We will always have these conversations. I will always forget them, and they will always be fresh. This is why we record all this stuff, so that you'll remember. Uh, So we go from there back to check on Theo. Theo's wife has arrived, and Mark is kind of giving her the rundown on his condition. Um, The wife is a somewhat recognizable actress, played by uh, Nikki Michaud, um, who appeared in stuff like The Shield, Lincoln Heights, and Vale. Um, Malik runs in while Mark is giving her the rundown. And uh, yells that Carter needs Mark now, so he's going to have to rush off. They have to give Theo some Versed and get him intubated. Um, but we do find out that the boy he saved is going to be okay, so it was not completely for naught. 
Yay. Yep. And then Malik does burst back in again, yells at Green again, and says, Carter needs you now. Come on. Let's go. And um, Mark finally is like, okay, excuse me. I got to go do this. And we find out that the older gentleman from earlier, Mr. Schoenberger, is in arrest. And he passes away. And Mark chews Carter out for not calling and attending when the guy was arresting because Carter says he thought he could handle it on his own. He's been doing this for, like, three years now. He thought he had enough knowledge to handle it. And um, Mark's like, no, you're an intern now. You have to call and attending, like, my dude. And then as Mark's going over the chart, Carter's like, well, did I, did I miss anything? Like, was this my fault? And Mark's like, no no you didn't and then mark insists on signing the code sheet but after that then mark uh mark uh, negotiates the interview in place of them uh using the losing the patient footage and carter walking away so finally get to hear mark speak his mind let's listen to that probably the best part of my job is that sometimes working here you can repair some of the violence, some of the bad things that happen to people. Not always. We couldn't do much for that guy who was paralyzed, probably on a vent for the rest of his life. I guess we did save the kid that he was trying to help. So his sacrifice wasn't for nothing. And yes, I was attacked myself right here in this hospital. They haven't been able to catch the guy who did it, or at least they haven't been able to charge him. The worst thing about it isn't what it did to me. The worst thing is that it meant that some of the world's violence has leaked into our own ER. This is meant to be a safe place for fixing people. Now it's vulnerable. And as an ER doctor, that's hard to accept. Sounds frightening. Are you scared? Sure. Of uh, losing control. Control of what's outside. And what's in me. Is that enough? Yeah. Then turn it off. Okay, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit like anthony edwards is does the spiral so well mm. that that sudden flip where he's like all right turn it off mm. gave you my answer let's be done yep. so daniel as the one who understands the layout the best <laughs> i want to know where this is because he was on anthony edwards was on one camera saying like turn that off like i'll, I'll give you the interview if mm -hmm. you don't show me screaming yeah. at carter and then there is about three seconds for him mm -hmm. to get onto a different camera yeah. to do this scene. It, uh, mm. It's so here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking there is a pass through between these two rooms that is normally not on camera that we can't see because there's so there's the long hallway of um, where the two trauma rooms are. Um, I believe mm. I don't know if I don't know if it was its intended purpose in this episode but i believe this is the same room that mark gets woken up in in the pilot um the 
the hmm. exam room oh, that's at that the end way. of the hallway because you can look behind him uh, over his shoulder through the window. You can see out into the hall and you can see, um, you know, Clooney running by with a, a gurney. And like, there's, there's lots of like controlled chaos going on behind them as they're rolling gurneys in and out. So he's clearly at the end of the hallway where the uh, trauma, uh, trauma rooms are on. As you're looking out the door, they would be on the left. Um, the room that he was in with Carter, I believe, is on the right. I believe it is on the other side of the hallway from one of the trauma rooms. And so he runs into that room, does his thing with Carter. Mm. It would require him, if there's no pass-through, it would require him to bolt out of that room, make a quick left turn, and run down the hallway and get inside that room in the span of, like you said, about three seconds. Um, unless there is a pass-through where they just cut half the wall off and he could just slip in between it and be in the room, which is, I think, what happened. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's my guess, is that a lot of these walls mm-hmm. move, usually just right. to get out of the way of the camera yeah. people. Right. But it's definitely... Yeah, this time definitely they gotta the, be extra careful for that not to get Yeah, it's up. definitely the ballsiest, like, quick cut they do in the whole episode, where it's like, damn, if you if he trips, or, like, if something... Like, if he misses <laughs> that stool, because he's sitting on one of those circular rolling stools, too, like, if he misses that stool, like, mm-hmm. that fucks up the whole scene. <laughs> and it's just the one shot of him. There's nothing to cover it, so... Yeah, I don't. I I don't know how they did yeah. it. Yeah, for some reason I could have sworn that the arrest happens in one of the, um, not one of the trauma rooms, but one of the rooms that's on the far side, like by curtains. No. I could have sworn it was over there because that's where the gentleman was being treated originally. So for oh some reason, well, my brain I know I know why that is. Oh, I know I know why that is. There. Is because I fixed this in the notes. You had it confused. Um, you thought that this patient was um cigar man, and. It I did, was, okay. And he why. was being mm. treated in one of those far rooms. Um, this was the old guy that did okay. the mugging to the camera. And, oh, And he was okay. being treated oh, in yes, that. that would explain it, why I, I don't I know what confused. the room is called, but it's the room that has... It's the not No, room? it's not the suture room. It's not the, the room, room that's it's... across the hall from the trauma rooms that has, like, two and sometimes three beds in it. It's, like, the widest. It's the where they have where Carter's the, intervention The one where the, the crying road. baby was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, that makes more sense. So I had thought it was Cigar Guy because I had thought that they were highlighting the preferential treatment question mm-hmm. from earlier in the episode by oh. saying there's a gentleman that's been here for hours. Yeah, they so kind I of... That, of course, the guy who they was They kind of just drop him. Because they, they had also talked about he, how, how he was there for a myocardial infarction, mm-hmm. so I thought, of course he'd be crashing right. from cardiac arrest. That's why that makes sense. But you're right. It could just as well have been the older gentleman who was doing Yeah, I, I don't know what happens... So, that makes more I, sense. I, I don't okay. know what happens with Mr. Schoenberger. They kind of drop him. He's one of the few, like, drop threads in this episode. I yeah. love that name. It's a good name. Uh, yeah, Cigar Guy just yeah. disappears. Yeah. So, okay, my life makes more sense now. Thank you for glad clearing I, that up. Glad I could be of service. <laughs> if nothing else, at least at least the microcosm of ER makes a little bit more sense to me. And this is why I love doing this show is because I can think I have something totally figured out. And Daniel's like, no, no let me tell you that's why you're not wrong, how it works. Great. <laughs> I yeah. know. Um, do we have any other um, things before we get into some of our new listener responses? Oh. Yeah, you want to do that before yeah, we let's, give let's, our let's, there, There's only a couple of them. And, okay. and this is going to be something starting. This is a new thing starting with season four. We want to incorporate some of your feedback. What did you think of when you watched this episode originally? Or maybe you're rewatching it now. Like, what were your thoughts on it? Um, we post the, the like, area to put this in in our Facebook community, um, official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Join that. Um, I'll try to make sure I post this when we're going to be recording the episode or at least earlier that week so that you can get those in there. If you're not on Facebook, I may start posting some of these on Twitter as well. 
Um, so if you don't already, make sure you follow us uh, on Twitter as well. So. And yeah, just reach out to us on socials and we will do our best to incorporate them if they are in a sensible spot that we find them before recording. But first off, we have um, Jen T says, I watched it live because, well, I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Really cool. <laughs> Jen's fantastic. We, we've interacted with her a lot on Facebook, but she says, really cool to see it play out. And can I say that Elizabeth Corday's entrance to the show is one of the best ever, which I think we've all agreed on so far that we're really excited that she's there. And then... Mary L. says, I remember watching it live. As a nurse, loved hearing the UK's version of medical hierarchy and medical education via the introduction of Elizabeth Corday, who lets us know surgeons are not addressed using the title of doctor. And all the fun differences between our societies and the use of the English language. The fact that it was live was exciting, like live theater. Oops, theater to us Yanks. Note the spelling difference there, R-E versus (laughs) E-R. Um, I immediately loved Dr. Corday. She is one of the many Elizabeths my 13-year-old Elizabeth is named after. And, of course, our own Elizabeth at STT. Aww. That's Aww. me. Yeah. So, this was a dense as fuck episode. Ooh. Holy mm-hmm. shit. This was, a, this was a marathon to... This feels like you're running a marathon after you watch it, because you're just like, what the Chunky. fuck just happened? Yes, Diana, we have to thank you for being brave enough to have this be your first guest chair on the show, Ooh. because as, as we were watching it, we like I, at first I was like, this is going to be a great one for Diana to be on. It's, it's a live <laughs> episode. It's got a nice note to it. And then as we were watching it, I was like, oh my god, what has Diana signed up for? So, um, yeah, it was a marathon. It reminded me a lot of the Tarantino episode episode and just how frenetic it was so um yeah i just want to say that was a marathon and thank you diana for joining us today for that one because holy shit i i just i think about this this script and how many different stories they go through and how many patients and all the different story beats and like how dense it would be even if it weren't the live episode but all the extra technical issues and uh, the other things that they had to deal with and it just they, they nail yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like, like, for me, like from like a st- overall story perspective, it's kind of like with the, with the exception of um, the introduction of Elizabeth Corday, <laughs> it's sort of, it's sort of whatever. Yeah. Um, But like, as like just watching it and like seeing like all the little stuff mm-hmm. in the background, that's what impressed me the most was all the little stuff going on in the background. You especially see that a lot in the last scene, like we were saying, like, George Clooney just randomly walks by. So does Lydia. So does, so, yeah, like, and, like, 85 other people just as in that minute and a half that he's talking to the camera. And you think, like, all of those people has so specific things and they have to nail it right the very first time. Like, what happens if an extra trips in the background and and would have, like, and would have, like, knocked over some shit? We like, catch it on the IMDb page <laughs> and make fun of it 27 years later. But just, but I'm just, but I'm just saying, like, just the fact that, like, all of that went off with such a, with it, with it, all of that went off without a hitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. excellent. From, like, this, like, this is, this is one of my favorite episodes for non-story reasons. I am so ex- this is this is jumping like eight months ahead. I am so excited to get to the wrap up for season four to have Jake uh, scream at us at why we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we, so we have a, our one of our friends who is going through the show for the first time, and he's sort of following along with us. And he binged most of season three right after we did our wrap up mm-hmm. episode for season two, and is now doing the same thing for season four. And he started with the live episode and was immediately like this is cool, but I also hate this. Like, he was like, <laughs> it's very like, he's like, it's very technically impressive, but 
nobody's behaving like they should or like normally should and everything is weird and I hate it, you know, and I, from a story standpoint, Lizzie's right. It's, it's like high quality filler. It's, you know, it's not a bad episode by any stretch. Um, and I, I actually was very surprised going through it, how much of what's, uh, what comes out in this episode actually matters. You would think you would think it would be very right. easy with yeah. an episode like this to just treat it like filler and let it let the gimmick kind of speak for itself. Like it's the live episode; it doesn't matter what we do. We're doing it live. Like nobody's gonna care what the story is. But they actually managed. Fuck it, we'll do it. Yeah, live. I. <laughs> they actually managed to put stuff in here that matters. I, I feel like if they had set this somewhere mid season, like let's say after mid season mm-hmm. break, it would have been a much more just filler episode. But to do it as the season premiere it's, is so yeah. ballsy because you're. I almost, I almost, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to go through with what I was going to say. This was not meant to be a pun, but you're setting the tone for your entire season. I hate when I do that. But, like, you, <laughs> ugh, she said the name of the show. She wins. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, it really, it sets up for the whole rest of the season. And if they had fumbled on this one, like, how many people would have been like, eh, I don't really know about ER anymore. What, what would the consequences have been on if they had messed up either one of these airings to the point that it had gotten called a shitty episode. Yeah. yeah. And I will say, I will agree with one criticism that Jake had. Everyone feels like themselves, but turned up to like 11 or 12. Yeah. Like everyone's trying it's, really mm-hmm. hard. This it's episode. like Mary said, except Carter. No, even Carter. Carter mm-hmm. feels like he's turned up like the turned up with the dial. a little it, bit. It, it's like Mary. It's I like Mary so. said in the, in the uh, listener feedback, like, it is you have to treat right. it like it's live theater and they're almost all playing it like it's live mm-hmm. theater there yeah. because in theater you know you're projecting out to an audience and like you're doing it's it's much different than if you're doing something to camera and they're almost all behaving that way too yeah uh, especially Clooney no nobody right. more so than Clooney mm-hmm. Clooney is on 11 yeah, in this episode <laughs> you're trying to be a little more larger than life than you would on a normal edited yeah. episode but that's because mm-hmm. you have to stick everything yeah yeah and you can just explain that all as well the camera's there yeah which yeah. i love that is that People is a great weird when there's a camera around that is a great conceit that they thought to do it that way around the documentary style thing so they could have those excuses for why stuff is a little mm-hmm. bit bumbly and, and having the hidden mm-hmm. cameras like it, in the lounge works. giving them giving them the chance mm-hmm. to change things up out in the main room is so clever like they keep mm-hmm. cutting back to the lounge so that I, they can change shit out in the main room and the cameras don't pick it up. And that's like so good. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I, I don't know how they did it, but I'm so glad they did. Well, just like, well, just like I didn't think about Mark's lightning move from that trauma. Yeah, I didn't think about stool. that either. That was really. And it's like, oh no, that's a live episode. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So overall, I'd say, you know, seven out of ten normal episode rating but eight out of ten when you count all the technicality of the live episode and how insane that was Diane, how do you feel about it the sheer balls to do it twice that's the thing that gets yeah. me <laughs> it's like you, you the, the first time you know you obviously rehearse you rehearse rehearse and then you run it and it went great and they're like okay sit around for two <laughs> hours everyone go get dinner have a snack yeah and then let's see if we fuck it up <sighs> again <laughs> This time, maybe this time everything fails. You don't know. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, that was ballsy. Ballsy. <laughs> Any other thoughts before we wrap it up? Uh, like we say time like we've been saying for the past 8 episodes, I'm real excited to be on season 4. Yeah. It's only episode, mm-hmm. episode 1 of season 4, but I'm real excited to be on season 4. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're in you're in the prime time yeah. now. 
Yes, we are. Yeah, this is when I think of watching ER, these are the, this is the time I'm thinking about. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash the tone podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, a, feature, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture at that moment, as well as monthly movie reviews, where we watch a movie featuring an ER cast member and pick it apart. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music, as always, is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And, Di- and Diana, where can folks find you at? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at ListenAnerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow my show, 302010Podcast, uh, available wherever podcasts are, or on Twitter at 302010Podcast, as we look back on all the crazy-ass movies, uh, TV, from 1991, 2001, and 2011. And, uh... It's getting weird. I did not realize 1991 was like the weirdest movie year of all time. Uh, I got to catch up on my backlog. I'm so excited. Uh, well, I mean, it is. I mean, we just passed the mo- most romantic day of the year, Valentine's Day, uh, where we get to talk about the most romantic movie ever made, Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yeah. I shit you not. That came out Valentine's Oof. Day, Date night. 1991. Ah. Uh. So diff- different kind of dinner you can yeah. take your date out to. I'm <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to hear you guys talk about that after hearing some of the Hannibal discourse while Lizzie was listening. So yeah, it's and- going to be good. Yeah, I feel like uh, I had to hold back like what I was to say because I could talk about Silent Slams for about five hours straight. And uh, yeah, I'm going to have to do that again in a couple months when we get to Thelma and Louise. Wow, 91 is a packed year. <laughs> is, is it? Yeah. Is it? Is it like Chris with Roger Rabbit? <laughs> yeah it's like i'm gonna have to just structure some notes and like just stick to these points don't right. start rambling just here's what i have to say yeah <laughs> when they blow up that truck it's really cool for for our stt people that are listening uh if you like what we do at the top of every episode where we go through what happened that week and we go through what was on tv that night and all that other fun stuff if you would like a show that does that way way better than we do it go listen to 30 2010 because they do it with much more detail and much more professionalism so go watch go listen to them if yeah. you like that they do it for an hour and a half to two hours every week and it's glorious mm-hmm. <sighs> Um, and Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345, where currently I am tweeting way too much about Great British Bake Off because that's what's just taking up my life again. <laughs> You're gonna be start breaking. You're gonna start baking bread again, just like you were doing last year again. Aren't I'm you? trying really hard not to for my waistline's sake, but the stress baking needs to come out eventually. It's but, gonna happen again. But think about me. <laughs> I get to taste test everything that you do. Yeah, but we eat it in a night. <laughs> so I, I need to save us both from myself and try to resist the bread for as long as possible. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at random gamer. That's J M three R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel, doing a let's play of Pokemon Shield. Uh, new 
new episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and more at youtube.com slash thepopularcourt. And just before we close out, I would like to thank Diana one last time for joining us. It has been a genuine pleasure having you on the show today. Oh, thank yes. you. Thanks, thank you, Thanks for inviting me on. Uh, I mean, I know you only invited me on because I said, I'm so bored and I never <laughs> talked to anyone. I want to go on podcasts. Oh, we definitely had a shoot your shot conversation when we saw that tweet go up. We were like, we were like, can we get her to talk about ER? Will she come on? So no, it was it was just it was serendipitous. So thank no, you. No, I got a lot of great responses to that. It makes me feel like, oh, like I have a little tiny bit of some social time after you know a year of COVID and literally not seeing anyone except my husband, and we have nothing to talk about anymore. <laughs> so. Make him watch ER with you. I should make him watch ER with me there now. We go. could just start it at season four. Yeah. Yeah. Roll from there. Seasons one through three are the prologue and just start at four. There you go. Yep. Uh, well, thank you again very much, everyone, for listening. And please join us again next time and have a great week. Mm-hmm.